Hello, this is Danny at Logical Soccer Investing. I am happy here to be with Michael from M Tizzle Hobby, Hobby, sorry, from Instagram. Uh, Michael, how you doing, man? Hey, doing well. How are you, Daniel? Great. It's always so funny when we say that, how are you doing? When clearly we've been talking for a few minutes up to this point, <laughs> but I feel like, you yeah. know, it's, it's just the way to go. Uh, I'm super excited to have, uh, have you on my podcast. Uh, you really have some great content online, stuff that I can kind of relate to. I know we've gotten to recent discussions about uh, print runs and calculating them and what that means in terms of investing. So whenever I hear that a person's about numbers, I get very excited because obviously we know the card industry is very emotional and emotions tend to get the best of us a lot of times. So uh, to find someone that's rooted in numbers and trends is really refreshing. So uh, I'm just going to start with asking you a bunch of questions. You ready, Michael? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. Um, so first off, why are you in the UK? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I've actually been here the past almost 12 years and uh, a couple years out of college, the company that I working, still actually working for them now, uh, they were starting a European office and uh, that's based in London. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to move here, uh, you know, 11 and a half years ago. and still have you know so many great opportunities and still in still in the uk uh, i'm actually i have dual citizenship now so oh, you can yeah. call me i'm like the modern benedict arnold or something like that <laughs> no, american we, we, and british we totally accept you man we totally accept you, and, you know, <laughs> it's funny because whenever the world cup comes around i ask people like the last world cup you know united states burn in i say who, who are you rooting for they're like oh i'm rooting for england and i'm like why england and they're like well you know they speak our language so i mean i guess that's a thing i don't know uh so um so that's where you're in uk so you you got a job and then they opened up a european office and then you went for it and you're living the life right now in london so that's super exciting um, so I'm going to get right into questions. So one of the reasons why I invited Michael was um, help some of the listeners get some ideas on how to, I guess, capitalize or if you will, monetize the card collecting, specifically soccer collecting market. Uh, so and I thought uh, Michael has a unique perspective on that. And I thought I'd uh, chat with him about it a bit. So first question I have for you, I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. You can answer with as much or as little information as you want. So first one, are you more prone to rip a box of cards or buy a graded single and why Ooh. i go between both uh i guess the follow the follow-up question is what is the box uh that that can change my answer uh situationally i'm not gonna rip uh immaculate or impeccable uh, I'm not into that kind of, you know, that's, that's like pure gambling at that point. Sure, sure. Uh, maybe you'd hold those. Uh, some of the sets that either have a lot of rookies in them or, you know, even, you know, well-established players and that the graded cards will have a, a decent premium, uh, I might rip it. Um, so it really depends, you know, Don Ross uh, over the past like six, seven months and 2016 select, uh, depending on the price point as well. Sometimes if you're just watching eBay and it goes, you know, 10% or 20% lower than some of the stuff on 
uh, Blowout or David Adams. Uh, and that price uh, in comparison to what some of the big cards in those will go for graded. If I feel like the balance uh, and the potential equity is there for me to rip it, I'll rip it. Because, um, you know, it's some, some of the stuff, let's say if you're comparing like a 2016 select Rashford PSA 10 Terrace, that was going for like 100 to $200. Um, at that point, you just buy that card, right? Versus trying to rip it and get that one card. Um, obviously, the upside is the color in that set, but um, it really depends on which card and what, what kind of set that you're looking at ripping. But uh, I'll look at, I'll, I would do both, but I think uh, my answer, short answer is depending on the value that you paid for the box. Uh, sometimes it's an easy rip, and other times it's uh, you, you buy it and maybe hold it for a while and see what happens. Yep, and that's why you're here, because you're a numbers guy. You're all about like, what is what is the risk? What is the investment? And how do you see it playing out? So that's great. So let's just get right into it. So now I know you do a lot of, uh, you you do a lot of ripping of boxes, right? Very specific boxes, but you do you do mm -hmm. some ripping, right? So what is your business model there? How are you, how are you monetizing that? Yeah, so this actually started in, uh, so I started like, you know, when I shifted from basketball to soccer, it was because I thought it was very undervalued. Um, and living in the UK, there's not a ton of options to get products here. Mm -hmm. um, and in the beginning, you know, there was already like a 20% to 30% premium because whoever the, uh, you know, who is selling it was having to pay that import tax themselves. Mm -hmm. And of course they passed it on. Um, and so May time, I probably bought some stuff and I'm like, hmm, it's kind of expensive, but I think it as an investment, I'll just keep it sealed. Um, and probably Anthony actually was the one who introduced me to breaks. Uh, so I kind of saw his Instagram page and I saw him revealing doing like a mail day. I'm like, whoa, how'd you get all those cards? And so for me, either breaking or ripping specific products uh, even stickers, um, the way that I monetize this or will monetize it, because I still have a lot in the great the train at PSA and BGS like everyone else. But the once I see a, a, a set, I basically look at like, all right, what are the hits? What are the you know players that are probably worth grading, right? Um, so an, an easy example of this will be the 2018 Donruss set. There's the you know 24, I believe, rated rookies in that set. And of those, uh, over the past year, you know, everyone knows Sancho, Davies, Havertz, uh, who else am I missing? McKenney's like Foden. got a boost up. Foden, oh yeah, Foden, Arjun of course. Didn't include him in that in that realm as well. Vinicius was kind of in there, Delit even, but so you look at those and if you look at let's say the jumbo box there is 12 packs and each of those 12 packs would have two of the red rookies two of the base rookies and then you have upside of the kind of green velocity rookie and the uh, optic rookies um, which i think came in half the packs and so you can basically for me you kind of calculate your expected value if you look at like each individual player. So 
you'd say, okay, I have 24 chances to hit a Sancho red. Um, or you, on average, you would actually get one base Sancho if you bought that entire um, jumbo box and ripped all the, the packs in it. And so you, from my perspective, what I would do is, depending on price point, you're like, ah, this single is actually selling for $25. And let's say Havertz was selling for 20 and Davies 15. And then you take grading into consideration. And at the time, soccer's multiples were like 10, 15 X, right? So some crazy numbers, especially because the there wasn't a lot of graded stuff at the time. Those have since come down and normalized, but basically, looking at the cost of the product or the spot in a break even mm -hmm. and then determining the expected value that you should return if you're to hit that player and looking at it both from a raw perspective and then a graded perspective um and so there's there's stuff like with uh, soccer breakers as well so not just my own personal ripping but in soccer breakers i was getting the base slot spot um, I kind of stole that from Anthony and people started calling me base slot tan. Um, <laughs> but basically you can, you could buy the, at the time, the price for, let's say 2016 select, uh, all of the base cards from a case was like a hundred dollars. Hmm. Right. And that was as recently as June. Um, and a little bit into July, the prices went crazy of course and some of those breaks didn't fill before the uh the boom happened and so i had some of those already lined up and at that the point that the boom happened in july august a pulisic raw was going for like 200 dollars, right mm -hmm. and so that base spot at like 125 to 150 all if you hit one card and of course you're gonna get like uh, over 200, 300 cards from that um, just that break alone, or actually closer to 500 if I'm not mistaken. And and at the time, the Ronaldos were selling for like 40, the Messi's were selling for 40, the Rashford's jumped to like 60 bucks. And so just flipping those cards raw, you could make you know six, seven x on that. And then the grading multiplier on that stuff, you know, was big. Of course. Prices have changed, and the breakers are become aware of, uh, you know, what's out, you know, what the raw cards and the graded cards are selling for. So they adjust accordingly. But um, I'm, I'm always hunting for kind of that inefficiency where the breaker doesn't realize the the pl specific player is selling for this much, and sometimes their price doesn't adjust, and it could, they'll usually get there. It might take you know, two weeks, three weeks, but if that spot becomes cheap, then I'm like, ah, I'll just try to buy it. Um, even if it's, there's some risk there, of course, but I'll I'll try to buy it and, and get those cards. And then uh, the next part is hoping that it's gradable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically you are, uh, to give a poker analogy, you're essentially counting cards is what you're doing. Yeah. You're counting cards and kind of calculating the probability of certain hits uh, but also, mm -hmm. you're, you're in addition, you're staying, you're trying to stay one step ahead of the market. So you were on, let's say, the base train market before the market realized what was going on as far as box breaks goes. So you're reaping the benefits of that 
and then and then eventually the market catches up so then it's time to kind of move on to the next set or the new thing or something along those yeah. lines so how much do you find uh that you're doing that these days Z, well since we were kind of on a pause anthony and i we went very very hard on chrome um kind which, of which going chrome? after howland and fatty um chrome uefa okay. um so a, a little bit of sapphire uh so we we have a lot of holland and fatty basically doing the same concept i just described um using so there's a lot of breakers around the world that we uh participated in their breaks um a lot of you know depending on price you know we were trying to get certain breakers because some of them based on exchange rates or just the prices that they had were um better for us and so from an expected value standpoint mm. if in the end you get like six fati base of course if your position is cheaper then um you're saving some money in the end in terms of what else you can invest in uh right now we're primarily focusing our efforts on grading those cards <laughs> so right now not not i haven't done a break in over a month so Whoa. um you just went it, uh, must be, it must be hard stepping out like that <laughs> it's exciting right breaks are exciting yeah. <laughs> but also yeah there, I've, I've had pauses here and there i think when the market kind of lulled um post like mid-september and the beginning of the season mm-hmm. um i didn't do anything for you know maybe like six weeks and then i jumped back in when i saw that basically holland's base cards were selling as PSA 10s going to like $400 $500 and the cost of uh like half a case was like 400 bucks and so I'm like hmm you're going to you're on average going to probably get uh two and a half to three from the like half of a case yeah. and so I thought hmm that's worth the risk and so I didn't yeah I kind of paused and but if I notice something um Oh, I might jump back in. So you're basically searching to and fro for anomalies or loopholes in the in in stuff. So, you know, the the how like you're saying the Holland uh, I think the Holland UEFA like the standard base was going for really cheap at one point once you would see these sapphire prices kick up quite a bit. Mm. I think the the Holland base was going for I think I was seeing raw going for like 60-70 bucks at one point which seemed yeah, yeah. it seemed very low for that price. So you're kind of seizing you're seeing opportunities like that. Okay, there's some anomalies here. Let's capitalize on that, get into some breaks. Then inevitably, you also have the intuition that the card price is going to go up eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think that that's that's something I've discussed with like some other folks. You kind of have to hone your own intuition, mm-hmm. right? Because I think there's a lot of folks out there who will post about stuff, right? And their beliefs and, you know, it's it's good to kind of have different data points, but uh you also have to test your own intuition, you know, with a little bit of like real investment, right? To sure. see that way uh you know, you know, are your instincts uh good and actually validates those with like you know real real data so maybe you're not going to put in money but you can at least say like okay i think this player will go up and track that information sure. and if your intuition is more often right then you know that actually you know i don't necessarily need to 
listen to everything else, um, you actually might be one step ahead. But having those data points from other people is good because if you are good at understanding where the market might go based on what other people are discussing, yeah. you can also capitalize on that. And, and that's a challenging thing, right? So in one regard, you have the number side of things. And the other part you have is the intu intuitive side of things. And actually, the intuitive side is is very, very important too. So mm. I was discussing this uh, recently in a podcast talking about um, a perception, a perception of a of the value of a soccer card. So for instance, let's look at someone like Erling Holland, right? Erling Holland is a great otherworldly talent. So, so he's, you know, he's, he, I really think he's going to have a tremendous career. But let's say we had a crystal ball and let's say we could accurately predict the career of Erling Holland. And let's say that he was going to be the next Lewandowski. We could, we could prove to you, like we had this amazing crystal ball and it showed his career was going to be the exact same as Lewandowski. He would lead his country to a World Cup. He would lead his country to the Euros. He would uh, win the Golden Boot for multiple tournaments, win the Champions League, win this, win that. We would be like, oh my gosh, we need to buy as many Hollands as possible. However, we're not buying as many Lewandowskis as possible. So it has a lot to do with perception, how we perceive a certain player's performance. Uh, just like, you know, look at someone like Phil Foden. Phil Foden, his perception has changed. And I've seen it. I've been collecting Phil Foden for a while now. And I've seen multiple levels of uh, change of perception of him. You know, right now we're kind of on and up because we've been getting a little yep. bit more of consistent playing time. The perception is changing, but really the player, I mean, he really hasn't, he really hasn't changed much, but his situation has changed. So that changes the perception of the player. So keeping keeping the pulse on that, and that has to do with intuition, kind of just really, really think about what, what do you feel like the demand will be? You know, and you have to take, and obviously numbers is not everything because you cannot take someone's goals and say, oh, this person's demand is going to be really high because they score a lot mm -hmm. of goals. Because look at Lewandowski, he's scoring tons of goals and the market's like, meh, he's all right. You know, <laughs> he's all right. He's incredible, you know? Um, so kind of keeping <laughs> keeping pulse of that for sure. Um, that's great. So uh, so so right. So it started with a it started with seeing these kind of uh, loopholes in the system and kind of buying into breaks, buying ripping ripping boxes that had a nice rate of return, right? Uh, and then and then now you're at the phase where you're trying to grade as much as possible that's gradable to see the kind of the ex, uh, kind of see the cards exponentially go up yep. is that correct and saying yeah there's you know in the beginning probably june through august i was primarily flipping um when i when i started to kind of sell stuff um and you know since that point i've started to try to send my best things to grading. Um, and yeah, probably now have like, I've tried to do like 50 to 100 cards each month um, since like late July, August. Um, and some of these are bulk. I've done a few like 20 days and some express. So I've had like stuff returning in the past uh, kind of two months. So that's kind of nice because then you kind of have something to replenish. Uh, what you're kind of investing in so you're getting the machine um, going right yeah absolutely yeah so it's shifted from flipping to you know trying to grade the best stuff and then kind of graduate my 
you know, base cards to bigger parallels that, you know, I might just keep, right, myself. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's still like a side of wanting to have cool things while simultaneously it's an investment, but, you know, trying to use what I believe is, uh, you know, my knowledge um, to kind of get the cool stuff, right? Yeah. Um, instead of just having to buy it straight up with like my own money and like, it'll be cool if I can use cards to get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I think, I think I, uh, one of the questions I had was, what is your play on modern? I think you've kind of articulated mm. a lot of what you're doing with modern right now. So actually, I think, uh, what is your play with vintage? Do you, you know, vintage is Ooh. obviously kind of a hot item right now, but the cool thing about vintage is that it's always vintage <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and there is, there seems to be uh, a very base level demand. Just people want like legends, old stuff, you know, it's kind of cool. So what is your play with that? Uh, I guess, I don't know, it feels like in soccer, people kind of treat almost like 2010 and earlier as a little bit like vintage, if you will. Um, so I, I've I've gone pretty hard on like World Cup stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, almost every World Cup sticker set, 98 onwards. Um, and yeah, I've been trying to find you know the legends on any year that they're in um so whether that's like zidane in 98 06 um Henri, same thing uh ronaldo from 90 98 and so on um and then now more recently i'm starting to and i think this is where there's like an untapped kind of uh you know resource in europe whether that's in like the Germans, the Spanish, or anywhere for that matter, the Italians, there's a lot of uh, stickers that people value very highly. Um, and if you find them in great conditions, that is like the, this is potentially like the huge multiplier, right? If you can find those stickers that these guys didn't grade this stuff because it's not part of that culture, right? But for the new collector, new kind of investor, if you will, um, trying to find these stickers uh, in great conditions. I think that's that's where I've been doing a little bit of dabbling in that stuff with uh, um, like some early, late, like 90s World Cup Maradona, Van Basten, um, Panini, like 1995 Buffon, um, Tati, uh, Pirlo, like early, like some of their rookies and trying to find stuff in good conditions. Um, I haven't gone as far back to, you know, Pele and early Maradona stuff. Um, I, I'm not educated um, in that market. You know, there's so much that you can be following. Um, but yeah, eventually I'd like to definitely get more into that. Um, but right now I'm keeping it to kind of, you know, 90s onward um, stickers. Sure. So while the market is going toward um, maybe like the sticker or the card, you're exploring maybe uh, stickers and cards that are, I don't want to say neglected, but maybe they're not graded as mm-hmm. often, have low pop counts, but still can have a demand, especially if it's in graded form. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in stuff like that, right? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, if you watch, I always uh, watch PWCC's auctions and mm-hmm. there'll be like random stickers in like a PSA 9. I'm like, whoa, 
that has a nice multiplier. Um, let's <laughs> yeah. go try to find like the first gem. Yeah, I agree. And it's 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 funny how that works. And uh, so, okay, one of the things that I'm interested in always been has been match attacks. I'm kind of, it's like, it's like one of my things, match attacks and WCCF cards, uh, adrenaline cards, just because some of those cards are so early, get them so early, these players. So something I thought of note was, so Harry Kane, his earliest thing is 2014-15 match attacks card. Uh, on PWCC, it sold for, I think, I think PSA 7 sold for, I think it was like $77 or something like that. Um, and that made me think that there may be an opportunity there. I know a lot of people's qualms, especially people from the UK, their qualms with those cards is that it was very accessible for some time. You know, there was a decent mm -hmm. amount made of them. Uh, but my gut is telling me that there's not a decent amount of them in decent condition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's I like think, a game, right? So people yeah, it's playing a, them. It's a game. It's a game. Um, so if they're having a lot of handling, obviously they're not going to be in as great condition. Uh, and I don't think people in 2014-15, not a lot of them had the foresight to think, oh, this is Harry Kane's earliest card. I'm going to hold on to this and preserve it. They're just thinking, you know, you know, Harry Kane's a good player to have because he's not he's not a lot of value. So I can get him on my team and I don't go above a certain value, which is how you play magic attacks. So do you do you yeah. see what do you see as far as prospect in that goes? Is that something you've been looking at? Or I know a lot of a lot of people are kind of getting on board with the 1718 adrenaline Mbappe card because he's in the Monaco kit. Mm. Or a lot of people like um certain, you know, the Holland attacks card because he is in the Salzburg kit. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's but there's also other cards from that from that same time period of him and the Salford kit. So what, what are your thoughts on that? I I don't have that many personally. I think I might have uh, I might have like a Pulisic one that I, the same logic, right? I'm like, ooh, this seems really undervalued. Uh, let me get that and it was like, I think like $4 when I found it one time. Um, and I did, I have, you know, I haven't done this myself, but I think there's opportunity there, right? So if you have the foresight, I know folks who picked up that Holland and for like really cheap. And I think the box of that stuff is also really cheap if you wanted to oh, yeah. open it. Um, and someone was telling me like, yeah, I think I paid $10 for a box of match attacks, got the Holland, um, which is still a chance, right? You're not always going to yeah. get him and sold it for like, uh, got it graded and it's like a PSA 10 for over a hundred dollars, right? So I think if you can find it, if, if you have the foresight for some of these players, it, there will be a kind of market for them um, in grading form. Uh, and they will always have a premium if it has a, a high grade. Um, I haven't dabbled too much in it, but it's something that, uh, yeah, every once in a while, I'll take a peek at the Mbappe <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, so, so one of the things I look at um, is the percentage of return, right? So, you know, you have to think if you got into attacks early enough and some of these earlier cards, I mean, I mean, you could have, I mean, you could have gotten them for dirt cheap. Some of these cards, you can have gotten those Hollands, you know, when they first came out for very, very low prices. And if you did that, let's say you were buying them like four or five dollars a card or something like mm. that. It's very conceivable that you can sell each for twenty dollars a card now. You know that's a that's a that's a very good return on a card that you know it's not it's, it hasn't hit a super high price point but 
but you can make a nice return on a card like that if you have the the foresight knowledge the problem with buying inexpensive cards is that it's a lot of pushing out cards it's a lot yeah. of selling and that gets old after a while yeah. but but um but especially the grading you add the grading element to it then it becomes a lot more profitable so if you're looking i think for people looking for maybe um low cost alternatives uh to, because obviously the hobby is getting more and more expensive more like an industry so it's kind of hard to attain these high level cards so i think that might be a good way to zag if you will away from yeah. the from the standard and the norms and i think there is potential there and i you know and i think a lot of people you know a lot of people in the uk even people that trash match tax cards right now <laughs> in 10 years from now they're going to be nostalgic one day they're gonna be like oh i remember those match tax cards and they're going to look for one in good condition and you're not going to find many because no. they just don't exist in good condition so and if you look at the pop counts on these cards i mean look at you know look at uh see panini adrenaline the mbappe uh one in the monaco kit his base card there are no psa 10s of that card there are mm. no psa 9s there are the highest graded is eight i think on the crack card the kind of like black hollow-ish card i think it's an insert though i think there's a few i think there's five psa 10s or something and there's a few sgc oh i think maybe one sg i think anthony actually owns the one mm. sgc 10 <laughs> of that card um but you're not going to find a lot of a lot of those cards there's no harry kane psa 10 of his first card i mean just consider that for a second there is zero harry kane of his first card yeah. that exists i mean that that is insane to me especially with a recent player so maybe people are holding on to those cards in good condition but i don't know i'm yet to see it so i want and if you have those cards and you're like man this is trash please contact me at Logical Soccer <laughs> and I will be happy to buy those cards from you from trash prices. That would be a dream come true. So just throwing that out there if anyone is listening. So just finishing up, we got a few questions for you. Uh, let, let, let me know what you think. Uh, we're going to ask you some okay. of the hot button questions in the hobby. So first question, Mbappe or Holland, which one do you choose as your investment? Well, I'm invested in holland way more than mbappe uh so maybe if it's me at this very moment probably i'll, I'll put a little bit more into mbappe um yeah but i think uh i think they'll both be fine but i think for me to balance out the portfolio i probably will do more a little bit more mbappe okay all right so how about which messi when I say alternative rookie, I'm not meaning something obscure, but something aside from the PS71. Yeah. Uh, which which would you invest in, and why? Uh, so I, I have several of the Autografo, so the Spanish one mm. um, from the Campeon side, mm. um, and I have several Mundi Chromo, both both of these, both raw and ungraded. Um, if I were you know, if I was looking. And I, I am, I guess. Uh, I'd be looking for the Catalan versions of either three of the Barca um, Campio sets. Um, those are all, you know, I think the print runs on that will be fewer than the, the Spanish ones. And uh, I think also because of that, the, it will be, they'll probably, they do already command a little bit more of a premium. But if I was to look for more, I would go for those. But uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm relegated to just uh, the Autografo, so I have like a few of those. 
Well, I think I think Mundi Chroma is fire personally. Like I I think mm. I I would not be surprised that Mundi Chroma at some point gets crazy in price. I don't want to say it'll yeah. rival seventy uh, one, but you know what? I don't know because it, what I like about the card is it looks like a very traditional card. Like if you grew up collecting yeah. cards, that looks like a traditional card to yeah. me. And I think there's some appeal to that. Also, Messi looks the doofiest and the youngest in that picture that he has. <laughs> and I think when people look back at the rookies, like the Jose Canseco rookies, they want the one with the mustache because it's so funny yeah. looking, you know. And I think Messi, he just looks so young in that picture. And I think it was technically his first rookie card that did come out. Um, um, the issue with Mundi Chroma is that it's Mundi Chroma and it's not Panini, but I think there yeah. is a market for it long term. So I think I think that's pretty boss actually. Yeah. And it's an action shot, right? Like yes. the other ones are, you know, just like a face or you know, not that that's actually like an action shot, which is nice. Yeah, I do like that quite a bit. So uh, who is the most underrated in your opinion? Let's say in terms not soccer wise, but maybe in terms of the hobby, who do you feel like is the most underrated guy right now? Ooh, like all of not not just soccer or let's say soccer soccer, soccer. and the soccer okay. card and the soccer card hobby who do you feel like is the most underrated undervalued whatever you want to call it maybe something uh, that that people will have to reckon with in time but that's on the cheap right now okay um so i guess rashford i mean i feel like rashford is still very cheap um he's still like his select you know, dips below 20 bucks and same with this prism. Um, considering it was, you know, some of those were both at like 60 to $75 earlier in the year, but um, maybe someone a little bit lower on the radar. Uh, probably someone like, I think Fabian Ruiz uh, and also maybe Nicolo Barella at Inter. Um, I think Ruiz is one of the best midfielders in Italy and probably i mean he'll probably he could start for spain i'm not exactly i haven't been following the rest of like you know spanish players because i don't really have as many invested in them um and he's he could be poised to you know move and you know his cards are dirt cheap you know but you know probably silvers and select for less than four dollars four dollars or less his base card is peanuts um so it's one of those where it's not going to take a lot for it to, to move up. Sure, yeah. um, uh, and I think Barella is uh, really good at Inter, um, probably playing better than uh, Tupinali, who's kind of the uh, more touted uh, one there. Uh, All right. That's so. Um, so you like so the the so do you feel like the in general the Italian league players are kind of overlooked do you ever feel that way oh yeah i mean you look at the chronicle set Serie A is you know whenever that that gets broken down the Serie A teams generally other than juve are yeah are cheaper and if they resell like the box separately the mm. uh, Serie A and la league are always like way cheaper than the premier league for sure so interesting uh <laughs> okay okay uh favorite modern brand Panini. Okay. How about this? Uh, select or Prism? What are you more inclined to invest in at the moment? Uh, the moment. Let's say select. first select or first Prism. Ooh. Of, okay. So uh, first Prism. First Prism. Okay. It's the cachet and the power of Prism, right? 
it, it's like the, the this is what someone one of the guys I, I talked to quite a bit he says it's it's basically like the common currency right yeah if people are going to get into like cryptocurrency first they're probably going to try bitcoin right people who are getting into cards they learn they're probably going to jump into prism because that's the that's like the the common ground um that people will trade with yeah no i agree and something i've been so I, I'm always trying to map out trends and seeing what's happening. I'm hearing a lot of people in the basketball world kind of pump select recently. Yeah. A lot of people saying, yeah. oh, select, select looks so much better in Prism. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of that trending and bleeding over into the soccer market too. Uh, I don't know if it will ever overtake, let's say, the prices of Prism, but I think there's something to say about it. Even look at Mbappe cards, you know, think about the Mbappe uh, select rookie, the 1718. That price mm. is getting high. People are starting to yeah. look out for it, and it helps having very low pop counts. You know, the select release was only, well, no, I was going to say it's only hobby, but it's not. The 1718. Yeah, they have the retail packs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and retail packs, packs in addition to the hanger boxes, is what you're saying? No, the, yeah, the hanger box. I think the hanger boxes yeah. were re retail, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The that, sports card was- investor um, had the, had this whole thing about, how he's buying select basketball all years. But he kind of said some uh, things that were like, yeah, that's correct because of this, right? So he was kind of just trying to justify it because look at the pop counts of this of the players, but how the print runs on select are always gonna be lower than Prism. Um, especially like in basketball, I believe it has, tr- it has been hobby only for almost all of them i think they started to release team all which uh kind of is a little bit a variant on it but um so he was saying some things which yeah they are going to be lower print runs because select is supposed to be like that premium thing um hmm. and prism is like the you know the more common currency if you will sure yeah yeah i, I think that's interesting um okay well uh so thank you so much for being on the podcast, Michael. It was great to hear your thoughts on how to, how to basically your what you've done to monetize soccer cards and how you're you're get, able to get into breaks, rip open boxes, get some cards on the cheap, especially hit up some of those base cards. Uh, and now you're in the process of sending into grading, and I think that's a really good model for a lot of people if you're interested in that. And I think you can't underestimate the power of grading. The fact that mm. it's it, you can have two, three, four, five X on on the on the cost of on what a base card would normally be valued at, it, I think is incredible. And uh, definitely something you need to look into, anyone does. Um, so that's, that's great information, Mike. I appreciate your time. And uh, can you just let us know how we can contact you with any other questions or thoughts? Yeah, uh, anyone out there, feel free to add me on Instagram, uh, mtizzlehobby. Uh, feel free to uh, follow, send me a message. Uh, always happy to chat. You know, that's how uh, we started chatting, just talking about print runs and stuff. So if anyone's into that kind of nerdy stuff, I'm I'm down to, to chat all the time. All right. Thanks, Michael. And we'll talk to you next time.